God created you and He created you with a giftedness, with a uniqueness. You are like no one else. And because of that, God has prepared work for you to do and for me to do. That's what we're talking about in this series that we're beginning this year with together, The Me I Want to Be, based on John Ortberg's book by the same name. And we'll come back to that book a little later in the, in the message today because he gives some great advice on some of the things that we're talking about today. But I want us to think a little bit today about how, you know, we've been saying over the past couple of weeks, one of the ways that we become the person that God wants us to be and the person that we really want to be is to surrender to God's will. To get in the flow of the Spirit. And the way that we flow with God's Spirit is to follow God's way. And then He leads us along the right path. And, and because of that, we can be in that flow. Now, the best way for us to get out of the flow to get out of following God is to sin. We will think about that a little bit today. What happens when we get out of the flow? You know, I grew up with a dad who loved crossword puzzles. And so I picked up doing crossword puzzles when I was a kid, and I still do them occasionally today. And if you do crossword puzzles a good bit, you find out that there are certain words that show up in crossword puzzles pretty frequently. And in fact, sometimes they show up with pretty similar hints. And so one that I've seen many, many times is, what is a three-letter word for a preacher's topic? It's not God, okay? You might think it would be. Can't be grace, because that's not three letters, right? It's sin. So now people in the world think that we preachers love to talk about sin. Like it's our favorite thing to stand up and just make sure people feel really bad about who they are and what they've done and know that they are Sinners. Now, in fact, early on in my ministry, when I was really young and doing this, I had a lot of people who would say, you know what, you should preach more about sin. And I thought, wow, that's a little weird. Okay. But I began to realize what they were really saying was this. You know, they were not asking me to, to preach more about gossip and lying and you know, being uh, too greedy, or any sin that they might actually commit, right? What they wanted me to do was condemn what people out there are doing. What they wanted was someone to come in and reassure them that they weren't doing the really bad things, and to remind everyone out there who wasn't even listening that they are sinners and we still think what they're doing is bad even though they've decided it's not so bad. That was really the request. But you know, I don't find a lot of that in Scripture. Instead, what I find is scriptural writers talking to people about the struggles they're having with sin. So today... For some of those people back then, they might think, well, this is our day. We're going to talk about sin. But my goal is not to condemn a bunch of people out there for stuff that we want to make sure they know is still just as wrong as it's always been. And you might be thinking, great, this is the day I'm going to go away feeling guilty. But the truth is, we as Christians have a greater message than you should really feel guilty about all the bad stuff you've done, and in fact, you should feel bad about who you are. That is not the message of Christianity. Is it true that 
that Scripture does talk about sin? Absolutely. Is it clear in Scripture that God has set out, here are some things that are, that are forbidden. Here are some things that are wrong. Yeah, it's in there, no doubt. And we need to own that. We need to speak that. We need to share that. But that's not the end of the message. But sin can get us out of the flow. Sin can take us away from God. We feel guilt. So what do we do with all this? What do we do when we feel like we are out of the flow? I want us to think today about how we do deal with our sin problem. And we all have one. Every single one of us. We are sinners. So what do we do about that? Well, let's think about sin today, and let's come at this with a couple of assumptions. The first assumption is this. Nothing does get us out of the flow like sin. When we know that we are doing something that God disapproves of, we feel separate from God. It is hard to feel like I'm in tune with the God who made me when I am choosing to do something that I know good and well is wrong. It's easy for us to avoid God under those circumstances, right? It's easy for us not to talk to God. It's easy for us to avoid what God has to say because it makes us uncomfortable. That's the first assumption. The second assumption is that God wants to help you overcome your sin. You know, sometimes people believe that the message of Christianity is God wants to punish you for your sins. God just can't wait to get you for what you've done wrong. And again, that is not the message of Scripture. In fact, God wants to keep you away from sin. God does not want sin to overpower you. God does not want you to suffer for the things that you've done wrong. In fact, so much of Scripture, even the definitions of what sin is and lists of sins are all about stay away from this. Why? Well, God doesn't like it, but even beyond that, so often these things are about God showing us the things that can destroy us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. God lists the things that are sinful because they get us into all kinds of trouble. They can ruin us. They can destroy us. God doesn't want us to sin because he doesn't want us to be hurt. And so God gives us opportunities to avoid sin. God doesn't want us to fall to temptation. Why? Because he loves us. And so we read passages like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Where Paul says this, if I can find, there it is, the beginning. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What Paul is saying is, listen. To these Christians in Corinth in the first century, and I believe this message is just as fresh for us today. The temptation you face, it may feel unique. It's not. The temptations that you're facing and the sin that you commit are the same things that people have been doing since the beginning of time. There is nothing new under the sun. 
And so the stuff that we deal with today is very much like the stuff that people dealt with in the first century and the stuff that people dealt with since Adam and Eve. And Paul says God understands that. And God does not want you or me to give in to that temptation. In fact, he gives us the strength to overcome it. And God does not tempt us or allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And God provides a way out. There's always a way out. You can, you can deal with that sin. And you don't deal with it on your own. What Paul is saying is, God is right there with you. Now it's up to us. Scripture is also clear, we have free will, right? We can choose our path. We can decide which way we're going. And so we have the choice. Here it is in front of us. It's sin. We know it's sin. We've seen it before. And we have the choice. Am I going to walk down that same path? Or am I going to choose this path that God has given me to walk away from my sin? Am I going to depend on the strength that God has provided to overcome that temptation? Which one does God want you to do? Well, God is not there waiting, just hoping that, that we'll trip up so that He can zap us. God is there assisting us, walking with us, encouraging us to walk away from sin. And He's given us a way to do it. And here's what I know. We're mixed up. And there are times when we can say, you know what, I, I'm not going to walk down that path of sin. Because I know where it leads. I've been down that path before. I'm not going that way. And I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to choose His path. I'm going to depend on His strength. And I'm going to follow this path that leads me away from sin and temptation. We are mixed. And we are sinners. And there are times when we give in. But even then, the good news of Scripture is God doesn't give up on us. Yeah, what we deserve is punishment. But even then, God is calling us back to Him. Even then, God has opened up grace if we will just receive it. 1 John chapter 1, one of the great passages in the New Testament, beginning in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Who's He talking to? Every single one of us. So if you're tempted to say, I'm not a sinner, think twice. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from most every unrighteousness. It's not what He says, is it? Sometimes we think that's what He says. Sometimes we think, well, He'll... he'll purify other people from their unrighteousness, but, but the stuff I've done, I just don't know if God can forgive. John says, from all unrighteousness. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, you can be made clean. You can be forgiven. 
no exceptions, all unrighteousness. You see, here's the message from these passages. God can help you with your sin problem. God can help me with my sin problem. In fact, he's waiting to do, do just that. The world has this image of God waiting to punish us because of our sin. And there is consequence for sin, isn't there? Both in this life and for eternity. We got choices on that. But what God wants is not for us to be punished. What God wants is for us to be forgiven. That's what Jesus was all about. And so here we are with the sin problem, with the God who wants to deal with that sin problem. We have a choice to make. What are we going to do? You know, the way temptation works is we are most susceptible to temptation when we're struggling in life, aren't we? We're most susceptible to temptation when we're weak, when we feel defeated, when life is not going well, when we feel like we've made mistakes at work or in our home, we are more susceptible to temptation. When we are dissatisfied with life, we are more susceptible to temptation because what we do is we, we substitute what is false what is fake, for what is real. And so God offers us joy. And instead of receiving the joy that we find in a relationship with God, we look for pleasure or happiness somewhere else. And it is fleeting. God offers us relationships that can work, and instead of seeking that out, we look for false intimacy that is fleeting as well. We substitute what is false for what is real. And it happens especially when we're weak, when we're dissatisfied. So what can we do about this? How do we deal with it? Well, again, to go back to the book, and there's great insight in this book, and again, I encourage you to find it and read it. It's available most anywhere you could look for books online. John Orberg gives us some things to do if we're facing temptation, if we're dealing with sin. The first is this, to ask for help. To ask for help. We don't want to talk about our sin. We don't want to talk about our temptation. And so we keep it secret. And that's the very thing the tempter wants us to do because we are weakest when we keep it secret. And when we actually put it out there and it is seen, we have a much better chance of overcoming that temptation. And when we have someone to come alongside us, to pray with us, to encourage us, even to keep us accountable, we are so much more likely to overcome that temptation. Ask for help. Second, ask where this will lead. When you're at that crossroads and the choice is, am I going to walk the path of sin or am I going to walk this path that God has opened up so that I can avoid sin? Am I going to walk with the Holy Spirit to help me overcome sin? Which path am I going to take? We've got a decision to make. And maybe you know that this path that leads to sin, it leads to destruction. Because you've walked it before. You know exactly where it goes. Which way will you walk? 
Where does this lead? What's going to happen to me if I give in to this temptation? What's it going to do to my spouse, my children, my parents, my health, my job, my financial position, my reputation, my faith? What's going to happen? Where will this lead? Those are good questions to ask when we're making a decision. Third, have a picture of where you want to be and why. So sort of the contrast of where the sin leads. Where do you want to be in your family? Where do you want to be in 10 years in your marriage, in your parenting, in your education or career? Which path will get you there? Those are good questions to ask. And those questions can help steer us from the path of sin to the path that God has opened up to help us overcome and avoid that sin. God can deal with your sin problem. But sometimes we choose sin. What do we do then? What do we do when we're struggling with sin in our lives? Three things there as well, real quickly. First, ask the Spirit to examine us. We've talked about the Spirit all the way through this series. And the Spirit helps deal with our sin problem. If we're struggling with sin, if we've given in to temptation, part of what we need is for the Spirit to be at work in us and help us see where that sin is. And not only that, see where that sin comes from. See the progression of that sin. See the pattern of that sin. Understand where the seeds are so we can deal with that before the tree begins to grow and root it out. Ask the Spirit to help us see the sins that we might have been ignoring because we didn't want to think about it. Put off sin. What does that mean? Put it off to later? No. Well, Scripture talks about Sort of like putting on and taking off clothing. We can put it on and carry it with us and make it part of who we are. Or we can take it off and lay it aside. That's the language that Scripture uses, to put off sin and to take on grace and faith. Which one will you wear? Which one will you walk with? Which one do you think is going to be a burden? And then finally, make repentance an act of hope. You know, I think when we hear the word repent, what we think of is to go back where we were at the beginning of this message, and and man, it's all about guilt, right? I mean, if we feel bad enough, that's repentance. If we feel really, 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 really guilty, and I heap all that on myself, and I feel bad about who I am, that's repentance, That's not repentance. Guilt is a part of repentance. Recognizing that I am a sinner and where my sin is and understanding the choices that I've made and that they have consequences. That that may be the beginning of repentance, but what repentance really is, is saying I can be better. I can be the person that God wants me to be. If I follow his path. Repentance is change. 
And when we choose change, we are choosing that things can be better than they are today. Repentance truly is an act of hope, not just an act of guilt. It's an act that says God can be at work in me and my life can be better tomorrow than it is today because of the power of God at work in me. God can deal with your sin problem and my sin problem. And he does it because he loves us. And he does it through the power of his son. And the question for us, which path will you choose? God's path or the path of sin? Let's pray together. God, we know that sin and temptation can be powerful forces in our lives. And God, we pray that you'll help us to recognize your power at work in us. To recognize the ways that you've shown us how we can walk away from sin. And that you can forgive sin. God, help us to trust in Jesus for all of that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.